Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, we are so thankful that we get to be here, that we freely get to worship you, that we get to come together, that we get to sit close to our Christian brothers and sisters, that we get to hear the words that lift us up to to think about things of how wonderful of a God you are, how generous of a God you are. Father, let us take these words, let us listen to the words that have been given to Steve so that we can better understand how to serve you. Father, we give this entire week, this camp, to you. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks, John. Well, it is good to be here. I love camp. I love the beautiful scenery. I love being with the teachers and the staff. I love being with a few campers. And I love this week because it's a week of renewal. It's a week of renewing friendships. It's it's a week, most importantly to me, of renewing my walk with Jesus. And I hope it is the same with you. At our church every Sunday, I get up, and those from Southside, they know this probably by heart, but I'll, I'll say this one line. I'll say, if you're our guest, you're not here by accident. You're here because God brought you here, and he brought you here for a reason. And I think we can say that tonight, that this session, campers, we're not here by accident. We're not just here because I thought I might go to camp this summer, and parents applied, you got in, made the trip here. You're here because God brought you here. They brought you here for a reason. And I hope this week your heart will be open to what to what God is trying to tell you. Because He's going to try to tell you something. And I hope it will be a week of renewal for each each one of you, as it is for me as well. This week we're studying the book of Philippians. And I love the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians has some great lines in it. For example, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great line, isn't it? That's in Philippians. Or how about how about this? And my God will supply all your needs, the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. That's a great line. It's in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll, I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's a good line. Or how about this? Have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus, made in the very nature of God, not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human appearance, in human likeness, he became a man and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Those are great lines. And they're in Philippians. It's a great book. And I love this book. It's easy to read. There's only four chapters in the book of Philippians, 103 verses to be exact. This past week, I've been trying to read through the book of Philippians, and I, and I sat down and I timed myself as I read the whole book. And I know I can be a little bit of a fast reader, but you know how much it took took me to read the whole book of Philippians? Less than eight minutes. It's a short book, and I'm going to issue a challenge tonight for all of us. I'm going to challenge you to read the whole book of Philippians every day here at camp. There's five full days of camp. I want you to read the book of Philippians five times. It'll take you about ten minutes to do it. And as you read it over and over again, these words of this ancient letter are going to nourish your soul. Believe me. It has me already. But I love this book of Philippians also because I know it's real. Almost all. I know it's real. When I was in college, I studied abroad in Greece for a semester. And and while we were in Greece, one place we went was to the town of, of Philippi. 
and I got to actually go to the city where where Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. And I'll never forget going there because of a story that happened there. While we were in Philippi, we went to this place which was supposedly the place where Lydia and her household were baptized, and they had it set up really nice. They kind of made the little stream into kind of a little baptistry, kind of like we have here at camp, and they've made a little amphitheater, and you can go down there, and you can sit, and you can enjoy the moment. And it's really special, and it's really scenic. And we were there. And there was this dog that was following us around. I don't know where the dog came from or what, whose dog it was, but as we were walking around this site, this dog was just going everywhere our group went. And while we were sitting there, just kind of milling around, somebody in our group made this suggestion to one of my friends. His name was Josh. And he said, hey, why don't, Josh, why don't you baptize the dog? And my friend Josh was one of those guys that if you dared him to do anything, I mean, he was going to do it. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. And so here we are at the supposed place where Lydia is was baptized. He picks up this dog, and he says, into doggy power, and he dunks this dog and brings the dog up, and the dog is kicking and shaking and all kinds of things like that. And uh, the dog runs off. We never see the dog again. He, he doesn't want to stay around. Do it. Somebody in heaven, that's right. We'll see. So I remember the place where Josh baptized the dog. But I, I, I'm thankful for that moment because it reminds me that the letter of Philippians, it's not a piece of fiction. It's not just something that happens to be in our Bibles. It's a real letter written by a real person named Paul to a real church that we're going through real problems, real stuff, just like you and me go through when you read through the book of Philippians, one thing you're going to notice is that a theme throughout that book is joy. In fact, about 15 times in the letter of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is used in the, in the letter. I want you to look for that word when you read through the book. And, and it's kind of peculiar that Paul mentions joy over and over again in the letter because the background of the letter is that Paul and the church were going through some pretty rough stuff. For example, Paul is in prison, and he doesn't know if he's going to get out of prison. In fact, he thinks that it's possible that he might get executed. So he doesn't know if he's going to live for a few more days or if he's got several years. And then the Philippian church is going through some stuff. They're, they're about to go through a church split. There are two women, Yodi and Syndicate, who aren't getting along, and so the church is starting to fall apart. On top of that, there's these opponents who are trying to pull the church away from the truth of the gospel. And then also there's this whole threat of suffering and persecution that the Christians are under. It's all of this rough and difficult stuff. I mean, we think we have a bad day when we don't look good in the morning. I mean, the early church was going through some really hard stuff. And so there's a part of me that wants to say, Paul, this is not the time to talk about joy. This is the time to talk about perseverance. It's, time, it's the time to talk about suffering. It's the time to talk about fasting, repentance, the joy. Why would you want to write now, rejoice in the Lord, I will say it again, rejoice. It doesn't make sense with what you're going through, Paul, and with what we're going through in the church. And the reason why Paul emphasizes over and over again this letter about joy in the midst of all of what they're going on and going through is because Paul believed that joy was not dependent on your circumstances. And normally 
That is the way we think of joy. That's the way our world thinks of joy, that joy or happiness, it all depends on our circumstances. It all depends on what is happening in our life right now. And so if you want more joy, what we think and what the world tells us to think is, well, I need to change my circumstances. I need to get a new car. I need to get a boyfriend. I need to get an A on this test. I need to get into this college. I need to get this scholarship. I need to be a starter on this athletic team. For us adults, we need to get this new job. We need to get this promotion. We need to move into this neighborhood. Because if I change my circumstances, then I'll be happy. Then I will have joy. Once these things happen in my life, then I will have joy. That's what we think. But then one of two things happens. On the one side, we get what we're seeking, and we feel better for a little while, and then we have this strong feeling of emptiness. I was visiting with a guy just a few weeks ago who who told me this very story. He said, you know, things are starting to, to go well in my life. I've got a good job. I've got my master's degree. I've got a good place to live. Things are going really well, but there's just this emptiness. When you pursue joy by trying to change your circumstances, that's what happens. You feel better for a little while when you get the A on the test, but then after a while you're like, there's just something missing. Or the other thing happens, and that is that you don't get what you're trying to get, and because you don't get it, you get depressed. And so you don't get the A on the test, or you get benched on your athletic team, or you don't get into the college you want to get into, or that boyfriend dumps you, and because of the things that you that you want to get, you don't get them, you become depressed. And I know there's a lot of you out here that back home, you're dealing with some depression. And you feel like life stinks, and there's a lot of pain in your life, because, because you haven't been able to get what you want. And you see other people, and they have what you want. They have the nice car. And they have the nice phone. And you want those things, but you can't get it. And so because you can't change your circumstances, because you can't have joy, because you can't change your circumstances, you feel depression or sadness. If any of those situations relate to you in any way, the book of Philippians is for you. Because it has this tremendous lesson that joy is not found in your circumstances. Joy is found in your relationship with Jesus. What's interesting about Philippians is Paul, throughout the whole book, he keeps pointing the church back to Christ. That's, that's his strategy. He just points them back to Christ. And so he tells the church, hey, you're struggling with unity. You're about to fall apart. Hey, you need to, you need to remember Christ and his humility and have that attitude in yourselves. Just as the church is struggling with these opponents who are trying to pull them away from the truth of the gospel, he tells them in chapter 3, hey, you need to remember about Christ and how it doesn't matter what you have if you don't have Christ. Pursuing Christ is so much better than anything else that you can have in this world. And he tells this church that has this thread of suffering and persecution, he said, just, just put your eyes on Christ, on the heavenward call that we have in Christ Jesus. Just fix your eyes there. He just constantly says, hey, you're struggling? Go back to Christ. Struggling with unity? Go back to Christ. Go back to Christ. And the reason why he keeps doing that is because for Paul, the source of joy is Christ. 
The reason why that's true is because joy, listen to me now, joy is connected to your identity. And so the way you have joy in your life is how you understand who you are. And typically the way we understand who we are is by the things that we do. So who I, who am I? Well, I'm I'm a good student, or I, I play football, or I play basketball, or I hang out with this crowd of people, or I look this way. That's who I am. And if that's how you define yourself, if that is your identity, I'm sorry, but you're going to have depressed days. Because someday you're going to wake up and and you're just not going to be kicking it that day. You're just not going to be doing well that day. You're going to get the B on the test. You're going to lose the game. If that's how you define yourself. But if your identity is found not in what you do, but in the fact that there was a man who walked upon this earth 2,000 years ago and who died on a cross and who took your sin so that you could have hope, so that you could have forgiveness, so that you could have freedom, so that you could have new life, so that you could be a new creation. If that's how you understand who you are, then it doesn't matter where you are or what's going on in your life. You can have joy. You can actually be sitting in a jail cell on execution row and say, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. How could Paul say that? Because he knew who he was in Christ Jesus. That was his identity. When you understand that your worth is not found in how many friends you have, but it's found in the one who is the true friend, Jesus Christ. When you realize that your value in this life is not based on how you look or how many awards you get or how many scholarships that you are awarded, but instead your worth is found in the fact that you're created in the image of a God, of a wonderful God, and you have been redeemed by His Son, Jesus. When you start to understand those things, then you can wake up every day and you can have joy. Joy in Jesus Christ. That's what this week's about. This week is about finding out who you are and remembering your identity and trying to understand and develop the joy that comes from being a child of God. At our church, we kind of had a little blow, I would say. One of our elders was diagnosed with cancer just a couple months ago. We're going to do surgery to try to remove the cancer. And they conducted the surgery, opened them up, and just as quickly as they opened them up, they closed them up, and they said, there is nothing we can do. The doctor gave them just a few months to live. And and think about that with me for a second. I know you guys are young, but what if if you went home and started feeling bad? You go to the doctor and run some tests to find out, you got a really bad disease, and you got about a year to live. I mean, how would you feel? Would you be mad? Would you be depressed? Would you be angry? Would you be lonely? We've all been really impressed with this great man of God at our church because his response has been joy. 
was chatting with him. He said, Steve, you know, a lot of people, they don't know when they're going to die. He said, I've gotten a warning sign. I'm going to live every day to the glory of God. It's joy. And how can that be? There's another good line in the book of Philippians. Look for this line when you read the book. For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. When your identity is bound up in Christ, when who you are is just, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. It's all about Christ. I'm trying to pursue Christ. My whole purpose in life is to glorify Christ. When that is who you are, when that is your identity, then it doesn't matter what circumstances come your way. It doesn't matter even if death is staring you in the face. You can have joy in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? So my prayer for all of us is this week we can learn that joy and remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, we come before you right now and we just ask a blessing on this week, this camp session. We've got five full days ahead of us and a whole book of Philippians to study. And Lord, let these ancient words speak to us and let let us have joy not based on on our surroundings or based on who's talking to us and who isn't talking to us, but joy that is found in the fact that we're a child of yours. We've been remade in the image of Christ. And it doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter whether we're in jail. It doesn't matter if we're going through a lot of difficult places at home and different things in our life that we can have joy because we know we are yours and help us to learn that this week. Help us to lean into that this week. Give us that joy this week. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.